Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. As always, we appreciate our great listeners and our sponsors for their incredible support. Any questions or comments, you may send them to info at theabstractathlete.com. Remember to check out our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us on social media under The Abstract Doctors or check us out at theabstractdoctors.com. Also, One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. Follow us at onemansethos.com or on social media under One Man's Ethos. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge. And you can also go and check out his amazing photographs at TonyMandridge.com. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on the upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Super pumped to welcome an incredible artist and maker and U.S. Air Force Aircraft Armament Systems Specialist veteran, Andrew Stork. Uh, We're going to chat about his military career. We're also going to talk about his creative path and how he creates his amazing work. Make sure to check him out on Instagram at Andrew underscore Sculpts. That's Andrew underscore S-C-U-L-P-T-S. Let's welcome Andrew Stork. Haha, you're wearing a Penn State shirt and I'm wearing a Buckeye shirt. <laughs> That's I got I don't have you yet. I don't have you audio yet. Oh yeah. There we Is go. that good? Boom. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Let me let me get a little talk a little bit. Let me get a little level. Cool. Does that uh how's that sound? <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying good. it's actually a little hot, but um I can get it on my end. So Cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I'm recording, so we're rolling and and I yes, I have to laugh. You're wearing an art right. shirt, and I'm wearing a football. <laughs> <laughs> so, but are you um like I said, we're recording because we, we just kind of like roll with it. But you're are you at RISD now? Yep. Are, are you teaching there? No, so I'm doing uh the MFA. Oh sweet. Okay, I th- I thought you were doing your MFA, and at Penn State that was a BFA. Yes. Wow. Yep. Okay, I got that confused. Wow. So that's yeah. cool. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Like, it's actually really cool to actually. This is the first time we've actually virtually seen each other. I guess we've never <laughs> physically seen each other. So, um, I think it's like really cool. Like we were kind of put together um through a friend of mine that teaches at penn state bonnie okay. calora yes right? bonnie's amazing yeah no she she totally is like we miss her to death down here at vcu so um but it's i you know obviously you know what the hell we do um we talk about you know the the importance of kind of having a physical exercise and a mental exercise being obviously the art stuff. And so like this, you know, like when we do these podcasts, I always just say that this is your platform to kind of say whatever. (laughs) That's kind of daunting, but I mean, I think, you know, like 
you like you have a really interesting background and in, i mean in terms of your military career you were you're a veteran from the air force um and i want to try to get this right you're a munitions specialist so you dealt with like bombs like transporting bombs is that the best way to say it aren't a system spe- specialist correct i mean like i'm i want to say i'm getting all this correct <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, armament system specialist. And so we maintained all of the weapon systems on the actual aircraft, as well as loaded all the munitions on aircraft as well. So yeah, lots of dealing with um, bombs, missiles, uh, large scale uh, ammunition, and then uh, maintaining those systems to make sure, sorry, make sure that the, um, systems actually operated correctly. So, you know, there's a lot lot of troubleshooting and um, problem solving. And I think the correlation between that and art is really similar. (laughs) No, I did. Dude, like we, like literally how this business started, it was Chris, my business partner, who hopefully again, you'll meet in person. We started talking about like these, overlaps as being athletes and you know like really truly military personnel are athletes like they don't you know you a lot of people don't call them that but in terms of like training in terms of like exercise like it to us like it's it it, that overlaps as well but this this connectedness of how i think art and and sports art and military like there's so much of that. And it's like, and then also like, obviously the health benefits of creativity, but also the health benefits of physical exercise. So it's like all these things like overlap. And it's funny that it always seems like they're not supposed to be like, you know, obviously you're, you're a little younger than me, obviously, but that idea of, you know, arts are supposed to be over here and the athletes are supposed to be over here. And it's like, no, actually they're not that different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there is, um, the military has slowly put a lot more, um, importance on physical training. Um, obviously I think a lot of that goes back to just cause we've been at war now for such a long time. Um, and obviously we've got a national struggle with, obesity and um so yeah there's you know we have our yearly physical health assessment and a lot of people would grumble about those and so i I think it's hilarious because when you say that like yeah we're kind of athletes like there was a joke amongst the higher ranking non-commissioned officers who were in charge of all the enlisted people to um, kind of motivate people like you're essentially a professional athlete like you're getting paid to be in shape like that's part of your job suck it up and <laughs> <laughs> now, that get sounds on like board. a coach yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah again like I think it's really cool the more um, we have these conversations I do find that like there are more connections um, within multiple aspects of life and whether it's professional athletes um, or artists uh, or military personnel, the crossover between the discipline and um, 
a, a lot of the other stuff that we're having to tap into on a regular basis is is, is pretty unbelievable. Uh, like, did you did you do? I mean, I, like, when did you start? realizing you were an artist was this like, like when you were a young kid no i mean like I, no. I i have this discussion with a lot of people because <laughs> i you know i was always a kid that sat at the kitchen table which i think a lot of a lot of kids did yeah. most people stop i did not but i was an athlete like that's what people knew me as like in high school i actually you know could have been drafted to play baseball i played baseball at ohio state for a year and and i say this during i probably said it on the podcast before I did not know, and this sounds so stupid, man. I did not know you could even go to school for or, for art. Like, no, I literally... I'm a man on a podcast, so I have heard you say <laughs> that. That's absolutely, it's right on, because for me, it was very similar. So I kind of, art was always interesting to me, and I was always kind of drawn to it, but it wasn't a conversation that like that was something to do for a career. Yep. So like, it's always something that I enjoyed, um, but wasn't seriously like, Oh, I'm going to do that for a job. So um, yeah, when I got out of the air force, um, obviously the, one of the great benefits is having education benefits. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school and, um, you know, I think one of the big things that a lot of veterans are talking about is that it's a, a huge daunting thing to go from, you know, especially if you stayed in for more than one enlistment. Um, if you've only been in for four years, I think um, a lot of folks find that transition time a little bit easier. I mean, everybody's a little different, so um, can't just be like, yeah, it's easier. But I think that the longer you're in, uh, the more complicated it is to then reposition yourself to essentially start over as a career and what that might look like. So, you know, I think for me personally, I was going into um, a lot of military style jobs where like, you know, um, pretty traditional for fire and rescue, police officer, um, I personally was studying Homeland Security um, and counterterrorism stuff, which was part of my responsibility at the end of my career in the Air Force. So, like, I think there's a, a magnetism to go to, I don't want to say what's easier, but because we already have this specialized training, it right. kind of just makes sense, right? right. Um, and then I kind of realized that, like, yeah, there was an, a level of enjoyment that I got from that work but it was because it was tied to service and community and not necessarily these specific things, but through taking art classes in college, realized that like, you could also get those aspects from art. And I was just like, yeah, like instantly drawn to that. And it was just like, oh wow, like this is amazing. If I can do this as a job, like that seems like something that I should be pursuing. Right. So. No, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I know I have, it like seems like we have like very similar, I mean, I mean, obviously like different, different outcomes on that or the intros into it, but it's, it seems very similar that I, it's, it's just funny to me because it's like, how, how did I not know this, <laughs> you know, the first time, I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. Like the idea that we, we end up where we should, but I think it, it, 
you know, it, it, it is fascinating to me, like to, that you did end up in this space and kind of how you got in that space. And, and I guess I'm curious, like, was it something that you were thinking? Like you were, okay, first of all, you were stationed in Alaska. The, was that the whole time? Not the whole time. Okay. That was just the last place that I was at. Okay. So, um, and then like the way that typically stationing works, like we have our home duty station and then we'll travel a lot from there right. um, for deployments and stuff. So yeah, I just ended up in uh, Anchorage for my last duty station and it was amazing. I mean, I think one of the, one of the big perks of going into the military is getting to travel. I always enjoyed any opportunity to travel as a kid. So, um, realizing that that was going to be kind of one of the perks. Yeah. Where, where are you from, by the way? I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Yeah. So Allentown. Um, okay. So you're, you know, you're a PA that's, that's, guy. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. So yeah, after, after I, uh, finished and was retired from the air force, you know, was taking gen ed classes and doing some online school. But then when I realized that I did want to pursue art, you know, there's only one real major university in Anchorage, which is, is good. It's definitely a fine university, but I just really liked the idea of having more options because I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to study. Um, so that's when I moved back to Pennsylvania. Um, just for a little bit more variety. Of, right. uh, <laughs> is it so, I mean, is it like you feel like you want to go back to Anchorage? That's literally one of two states that I've never, that's the only, there in Hawaii are the only two states I've never been in. Yeah, you should definitely, it, once all this shenanigans yeah. comes yeah. down, yeah. you could definitely go because I think you would love it. Oh, no, uh, I would. I know I would. Like, I would, I want to drive. I, I think we, maybe I've talked to you on the phone that I drive out west every summer yes. and so like that to me is like that's yep i'm gonna do that some days just drive to alaska yeah absolutely so yeah i don't know if i you know um <laughs> to be honest after being there i was there for almost eight years wow. um and the winters just got a little bit harder every <laughs> <year>. <laughs> Probably so, a little bit different than Pennsylvania and Ohio. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And that's where like, you know, it's the, the lack of light and, you know, like I can do cold, but negative 40 and negative 20 is next level. Like, <laughs> like I'm good. I don't even need to leave the house. Yeah, that's, another, um, that's another planet. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's totally, totally different. And, you know, like I said, I, I, the first couple of years, it's really exciting. And I think the more you can be outside, you don't mind it. You know, you dress appropriately and um, it's it's really fun. Right. But after eight years, I was like, yeah, I'm good on this for a while. And <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can always visit. I can always that's, visit. That's exactly it. <laughs> right. But I, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um. I'm curious, like, so you were in, how long were you in the military for one? Was it almost eight years? It was almost, okay. So, yeah. so you graduated from high school and then you went in like pretty quickly into the military. Like what was kind of the, yes. the transition? Like was what, like, what was the, the reasoning, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm always curious to know, like 
how you got into, you maybe listened to Joe Olney, the podcast we did with him and how he got into the military, was, yes. you know? And so I think it's an interesting thing. And then, and then the transition out, I think is always interesting yeah. as well. Like we kind of. So very that. similar to Joe, like <laughs> I, which I think is funny. Like these, there are some correlations between service members and why people want to join. I think the motivations are interesting and, you know, like I had started going to college and was working full time and I wasn't really feeling satisfied from anything um, and was still living at home with my folks. And I was just like, you know, like I, I wanted a little bit more freedom. And um, so I really liked the idea that I was going to have this job that had a lot of purpose and, and um felt pretty awesome to be able to give back in some meaningful way. Um, but then also obviously like having a paycheck and getting to live on your own is pretty exciting. Um, and yes. then and travel. So like as a young guy, I was just like, this is all sounding pretty great. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, and it was 2005. So we were still pretty like upswing, to, to the wars. And um, so there was kind of, you know, this magnetism to be part of um, what was going on in the country. And I, I did feel like it was something worth uh, giving my time to. Right. Um, so, yeah. And I had a couple friends that were considering it at the time. So uh, the three of us kind of, um, and to, credit my one buddy like he was really the one who was like this is he knew right away that that's what he was doing um and then my other friend and i were just kind of like oh, that sounds pretty cool like, <laughs> and uh <laughs> just like the more we looked into it I'm like yeah this is awesome I, I think this is definitely worth it so right yeah and uh i don't know i just uh I, there was a level of excitement you know coming from the potential uh, career options from within the military. Um, right. You know, I think the nice thing is now is that there's a little bit more of a choice of what you're going to do. So um, having that be a thing is is pretty awesome to right. kind of know going in that you're going to somewhat what you're going to be doing. Right. Did you, I mean, were you doing anything creative while you were in the military? Like, were you doing like, were you drawing? Were you doing anything um, yeah. again, I mean, you know, one of the things, obviously you've listened to the podcast, we've also talked, you know, here and there. And one of the things we were interested in is not, not art as a therapy necessarily. I mean, art is therapeutic in its nature. It just is. But we're, sure. we, we like this idea of it being like proactive. Like we, we've been actually using a term called prehab instead of rehab, but like this idea that you're, you're starting this creative process to like a because you love it but b because like you know it's good for you and actually when things you do have like shitty days or whatever like you know what to fall back on you know so it's not a rehab it's like it's embedded within your system so like were you doing any anything creative while you were in the in the service or, or was yeah a little bit like drawing a little bit and i've always kind of worked with my hands so i yeah. think it's kind of interesting that now I am doing sculpture, right. which I think is really speaks to the years of woodworking and working on motorcycles and like just odds and ends, just 
staying busy with my hands. And where did that, where did that come from? Was that a family thing? Like, was your dad like, yeah, my dad always worked with his hands. And I think that that's, you know, um, just have kind of a natural draw to that of like, yeah, I could pay somebody to do this or I could just figure it out myself. But I think boring. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that stubbornness of like this can't be that difficult, even when something obviously is well without uh out of my capabilities. Right. No, but so. that's that's the cool part about doing art is like it is a constant learning experience. Like even when you're in a project you know, or a series or something that you do something different and it's like, oh shit, you know, it's like just those smallest of things can change everything. And I, which is exciting. Like, it's just, it's like nothing else. I mean, it's, you know, like anything creative, I think has that light at the end of the tunnel that you never get to the light because, because it's like your con like the light changes or something or it shifts or. Yeah. And I think that's like the constant ability to learn and push yourself is really, what keeps me coming back into the studio because there's never this like sameness, you know, yep. even if like you said, you're working on a series, there's still like those small movements of exploration within that. And I think there is something really exciting about that. Yep. that um, it just keeps the studio um, interesting. Yep. So, and you yeah. do a lot, you, like a lot of your work is very much military influenced i guess would is that a better way to say it i mean i which makes complete sense and and we have a, i think a couple of the canteens and what we have one other yeah like a large scale wrench yeah the wrench so, that's what i was trying to remember what yep. and those things they're just so it's it's really interesting to me because they're so beautiful they're so delicate but yet when we think of the actual thing like it's supposed to be you know, machismo, it's supposed to be like tough. It's, you know, and I think that that, that's such a beautiful um, way that you're working where you're taking these things that have stereotypes, much like our business, as a matter of fact, and you're kind of knocking down those walls and showing kind of the delicacy and, and kind of the vulnerability of everything. I mean, is that a lot of the stuff that you think about, like, or, or go into like what you think about when you're conceiving these, like these projects and works and stuff? Yeah. First off, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think damn art it, school like, teacher in me, like, comes <laughs> <out>. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's super interesting. Um, you know, when I first started making work, um, I think trying to unpack some of the almost 10 years of experience, like you said, not yeah. necessarily that art has to be therapy, but you know, if you have stuff that you're kind of working through that meditative process of, of working through um, a project is super useful. And I found for me that it was really a good time to kind of turn off uh, my brain from a lot of that noise and just kind of focus on the process. And especially when I was still making, um, well, I still am, but making these objects from the military, it was a good time to reflect on um, all of the memories and associations to those objects. And I think it's really funny um, because at first I was really drawn to making stuff that was, I would categorize as like exciting, but then I realized that um, just because through conversations in crit space that like 
that is what people automatically go to, um, you know, from Hollywood films and most people's exposure to what military service is like. Um, so I think I was kind of drawn to going to more of the everyday mundane objects and getting an opportunity to shed light on those stories and those objects, um, as opposed to some of the more flashier, exciting type things. And I think that not that those other objects aren't any less powerful, but I think that's kind of the, the, um, the exciting thing about it is that even just a regular canteen can then speak to um, this vulnerability and fragility. And I think a lot of material um, research has been exciting. And I think that for me, the more materials and processes that I've been able to study has enhance this like I guess emotional language that like we have these preconceived notions just like with anything else that when you see something that's made of steel or made of ceramic we bring those into um, the space and when you can kind of change uh, what a form is made of really can inform the conversation around the object and, and hopefully a meaningful and, and different way so yeah, it's pretty exciting to to be able to have have the opportunity to explore all these different things. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's so fun to be able to spend time in the studio. And I think now for me, like being in grad school, I think a lot of my undergrad time was spent just kind of figuring out this personal narrative and what I wanted to make art about. And now I'm really getting into like a sustainable studio practice for me. Like, obviously as an artist, it's like, I don't see a retirement at any point. I want to keep making That's the beauty of being an artist. Yeah, that's the beauty exactly. of it. And that's, exactly. why, that's why I think, you know, like we always try to push everybody to do something creative every day like a physical exercise because yes. I, you can and this is something you can do the rest of your life it doesn't mean you have to be a, a whatever professional art whatever the hell that means like i don't like that term either like i actually had i actually had somebody tell me once with the abstract athlete he said well none of these artists in this show are real artists and i was just like huh well, exactly what do you mean by re what does that mean I don't, I don't even know what that means and it's you know it's just that elitism sometimes that obviously we've dealt with in being in the art world that kind of space exists and i mean it exists on the other side too like athletes or whatever but i mean it's it's again it's this knocking down of walls which i think like what what i think is really cool is that you are in the academic space, like the four walls of academia. Because I do imagine that because you're coming at it from much like myself, like I, I tell this story that I, I, when I got back into school, cause I quit school for I think eight years or whatever. And I came back into school and I didn't know anything about art world bullshit or whatever. And I would, I would call the studios, the labs, and my, my former professor, actually the one, the reason why I moved down to Richmond would just give me shit about it. But I, I actually love the, I love the idea of it being a lab because a lab is a kind of a place of experimentation, which is what I think it should be. But I, I, I assume that you do like deal with some of those stereotypes that your, 
you're a veteran, you're making work that is influenced by military, like you're not a real artist. I mean, I don't want to go that far, but I'm, but I'm sure you do. Like, and I always got, well, you're an athlete. You don't know what you're doing, you know? And it's like, um, well, yeah. And especially I think right now, like obviously politics are super polarized. So there's this automatic assumption that because I'm a veteran, I must be super right wing. And because I make work that are, is talking about weapons of war that I must be pro those things. And I'm trying to glorify these objects instead of just having a conversation around them. So there is definitely um, a lot of opportunity um, for me to be able to kind of 100%. share my perspective. And, you know, I think that's the one thing that has been really challenging for me is just trying to be like, you know, this is just my perspective. I'm just trying to share my life experience with these things. I'm not trying to say it's good or bad. It's just, this is what it is. Um, and I'm hoping that we can have a conversation about around those things because it is bleeding into everyday life. Like, how can we have a meaningful conversation around this without getting to a fever pitch? Because yep. um, so, we've lost and, that skill. People, people sure. just go from zero to a hundred, pissed off about everything, and and I do think we need to get back to a point of like of just disagreeing with people and not hating people like immediately. And, exactly. and I, but I think that that's, again, like, not that this is the same thing, but when, again, when I got, you know, when we got your actual work in, in our hands for the first time, I do think that that you do speak to the worldly view of this, of, you know, military. And again, like, I, I think the big word I would use, and, and I use this word a lot because I think artists are really good at this, is the the vulnerability aspect of it. And cause I think we do athletes and military, like we're almost taught not to be vulnerable, obviously, you know, for, for obvious reasons, I think in yes. some ways, but we all are. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and it's, it's embedded in, in what we do. So this, and I don't think it's overt in, in, in your artwork, but I think, there's that subtleness and that kind of beauty of the vulnerability that's there that I think can open up those dialogues. And I, I mean, I, I would hope that they actually take place in an academic environment, but we all know that sometimes, sometimes they always go off the rails and they have to go to somewhere where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about that now. Okay, fine. But, but I do think that, I think that that's like really important because like you, you said, you know, you were in the military for eight years. It's a huge part of your life. You've seen things that most people will never see and you've experienced things that most people will never experience. And again, I don't think that you're doing it in a, in an overt way. I think it's like very, you know, even keel and very kind of quiet and unassuming, but I think that that's what's like kind of so powerful about it. Thanks. Yeah, I think so. One of the big things that I've been kind of realizing is that looking back on things now, you know, when you're in the military and you're experiencing these things, there's no, we don't really have the privilege or opportunity to say like, this is good or bad and I can not be a part of it or be a part of it. 
and I think that having the the time now to unpack a lot of that stuff and process through those experiences um, is really interesting because you have to go through them either way while you're in it. And I think it is really challenging now to have to try to look back on some of those more uh, challenging events and being like, okay, how can I look at this in somewhat of a positive light? You know, um, I think there is a, a tendency to go to the negative with it. And I think that, you know, just like with failure in the studio, like you can either take it as failure or a lesson learned and try to take something positive from it. I think trying to take something positive from it just puts you in a better mental space. Um, and yeah, I, I think that just trying to frame this stuff in some way to have a conversation in the gallery space, whether that be just a critique space, the gallery space is really the, the ultimate goal, especially because I'm realizing uh, through my, my BFA studies started doing some research on just like the general numbers of folks who are in the military now. And so like at the peak of World War II, there was about 12% roughly of the American population who served. And then they said that um, the connection to our economy was roughly 50% towards war effort. So they have explained that the general population of America just had a better idea of what service was like because they were having conversations with service members or they knew someone who was actively in. And the most recent data we have is from 2015 and we're at 0.4% of our population now who is serving. Wow. And the, yeah, so it's, it's a much smaller number. And a lot of that has to do with technology. We just, we just don't need as many people. Um, our economy obviously has shifted dr drastically away from manufacturing and, and supporting the war effort. Um, so the, the thought amongst these folks who are studying this in the academic realm is that there's a couple of potential issues um, with our disconnection from understanding the military, like there, the potential for us to go into conflicts more easily is uh, a real thought, uh, which is obviously a little scary. Um, and yeah, I just think there's a lot of uh, opportunity for us to, from the veteran perspective, to share with folks who haven't served um, just what daily life is like. And I think one of the big things that I struggle with is that I like having these conversations, but I also don't want to feel like I'm forcing these things on anybody and like having to have these conversations, you know, obviously if people are wanting to engage, that's fantastic, but also if they're not interested, that's, that's cool too. Um, so I think trying to find a fine line of that has been interesting as well. Well, but I think, I mean, all, all work that people make is personal, you know, and, and, people can, you know, people can engage with work how they do. So it's, uh, you know, but I do think that, again, like, I think it's the the kind of the subtlety of your work that it, there's not an overtness to, I think, I don't feel like you're like giving me the, you need to learn what I'm talking about story, you know, like you're not, I think, I think you're telling a story like anybody else would through your filter, um, which again, I think is, is 
it's inspiring. Like I, you know, like I, I say that a lot about, about people we work with because, but I, I think it's true. I think, you know, the fact that you're kind of breaking down walls, um, you just are by inherently by doing what you're doing and, and giving, giving of yourself to people through your experiences, like, so people can learn. Now, they, again, like you said, they can choose to do so or not, and that's up to them. But I don't think it's like a, a heavy-handed thing that you're doing. And um, and again, like, you're, I think part of it is like, you're a good craftsman, you know? Like, that's the other issue. It's like, if you were a shitty craftsman and like, and, and it might feel more heavy-handed. You know what I'm saying though? Like, but it's like, I think that there's like a beauty in, in, the making um, that comes through that takes it beyond it being what it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, and again, like, thank you. I'm <laughs> glad that that comes across. Um, I think, you know, like that wrench specifically is probably one of my favorite things because that's specific to my career. So those that's the tool we use to arm and safe the munitions on the airplane. And I think, you know, traditionally, if you ask most people, you know, what weapon of war they're gonna go to um, an M16 or um, a larger machine gun. And I think that there's this interesting potential to open up a conversation about how, yeah, obviously those are definitely uh, prevalent, but you know, these munitions that we would use are definitely, you know, 2000 pound bombs are super powerful. And the thing that kind of sets those in motion is just this little socket wrench that most folks have in their garage, you know, um, it's definitely, I don't know. I think that's being, surreal. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it is, it, it, you know, right? it is. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting and again, I think it's it's really fun to be able to share these stories and perspectives because I think that it's such commonplace where it's like, yep, we just use a socket wrench. Like right. it's almost like really, you don't have a specialized tool. <laughs> just a socket. <laughs> use it on your car. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wanted to take a quick break make sure to check out andrew's work on instagram at andrew underscore sculpts that is andrew underscore s-c-u-l-p-t-s also remember to listen to our other podcasts on the abstract athlete network the abstract doctors with dr g and dr c you can follow us at the or on social media under the abstract doctors and one man's ethos the tony mandrich podcast which you can follow on instagram at one man's ethos or you can check us out at one man's ethos.com you can also follow tony uh, on instagram at tony mandrich or on twitter at tony underscore mandrich and you can check out his amazing photographs at tonymandrich.com now back to andrew who like i always like asking these questions um because i think it gives like a um you know kind of a, a different kind of background but who like are inspirations for you and that you know that can be I mean, I'd love to know like who you, who you look at as, as an artist, but it, it, you know, like it can be really anybody inspirational. It could have been your 
you know, your sergeant or something too, your, your dad, like, it sounds like, you know, your parent, you have good parents that, that like your dad might've influenced your, your making in, in some capacity. Um, but you know, just, you know, just those, those different characters in the world, like through your life that like you still like hold deeply or, and again, it might be somebody you never met. It could be a famous artist. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's interesting where we pull our inspiration from, right? So like when I first started coming back to school, you know, I, I was really, because I had never studied art, I still feel like I'm playing catch up as far as like 100%. who are popular artists. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, thankfully due to professors who have kind of nudged me in the right direction, um, as far as like artists that are currently working, uh, Aaron Toole, who is a ceramicist mm -hmm. um, and a veteran, um, has done some really amazing work. Um, and I think that his social and uh, community practice has been really inspiring. So one of the main projects that he has worked on um, is making cups. Um, that's his artist statement is, I just make cups, that's it, um, which I think is, is awesome. Um, but he uses it again as a vessel for starting conversations. And he says that the scale of the cup um, is not overwhelming to people and even he if he puts graphic or shocking imagery on that, it's still a small enough object where people are willing to engage with it, um, which I think is something that I've tried to fold into my work in a, in a meaningful way. And I think that um, it goes back to, again, like he calls his work war awareness work, which I think is really powerful. Um, right. So it's just this idea of making folks uh, aware of, of what's happening and less of, you know, this is pro or uh, against, but necessarily just saying like, be aware of what's happening in the world around you, which I think is, is super uh, amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think as I've shifted um, to wanting to work with more materials and kind of, again, I think there's this real powerful opportunity to be able to fold then multiple feelings and sensations, especially if people have the ability to, to tactily touch the work, which I'm, I'm hoping to have more of that opportunity in the gallery space. Um, so, you know, trying to, to find other artists. I think that there's also a playful element that I'm wanting to put into my work to have it feel less heavy handed. Um, so I think uh, Tom Sachs has been somebody I've looked at um, for inspiration. Uh, but then obviously all of my professors, you know, I think they're it, most folks that are teaching um, are doing it for a reason and they really do want to help folks um, kind of get to where they want to get um, and are super good at, at motivating and then giving mentorship to, to trying to have a conversation on where you're at and where you want to be. Um, so all of my professors have helped me in some profound way, which is, I think, taking that away from undergrad. You know, I was interested in teaching, um, but one of the big reasons that I wanted to go to grad school is so that hopefully um, I can end up teaching at some point because I do find a lot of value in being able to, um, again, this idea of service and community and being able to give back in some way um, is, is really exciting. So, 
No, there's, I, I, I love teaching. Absolutely. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I, I love that. I think every, literally every person should sit in on a, on a, um, an art critique just because I don't think people understand the depth and, and kind of what really goes on. And I think a lot of people just think art is like this, Oh, you just go to art school and like, yeah, mm -hmm. come on, come on and join us. I mean, it's just, it's a different, it's a completely different thing, but it's so, it's so rewarding. And I do think it impacts us as humans. Um, and I do, like, I do think that there's something that most people, I think everybody would benefit from it. I, it this, this is obviously like a, a utopian thing that'll never happen, but, um, uh, you know, we can all have our dreams, I guess. That's exactly. But yeah, I think there's something powerful about having to be vulnerable, um, yep. in, in that crit space. And you do have to, because like you said, a lot of people are making super personal work. It's hard to then break yep. that connection to that work and take, uh, criticism that's hopefully, um, in an effort to help you communicate better to, to the viewers who are looking at your work. And I think that there is well, something in that vulnerability that's amazing. And I've, I, I've basically started a program here at VCU that basically is kind of in lines with the, with the abstract athlete. And the cool part is like, I do get, I mean, I do get artists in the class, but I get athletes, I get veterans, I get nurses, I get whoever. And to be honest with you, like the conversations are insanely great because, you know, the people that are not in the art school, they now get this opportunity that they never have had, you know, because usually in college, a professor talks at you for however long the class is, you don't get to talk or maybe you raise your hand, but in art, like, it's just like, it's a free for all. And to have that that kind of, I guess it's a rewarding experience. I'll say it's rewarding. It's rewarding for me, but, but to have that for the students where they, they're, they're able to actually be vulnerable, even though they are, but like allow themselves to do that. It's just, it's really, really cool. And I, you know, like, I think it's, you know, like the hope is that this model that we're creating can go to other schools because, I, I, first of all, you know, like the student athletes, you know, they have these like incredibly stressful, they, you know, it's like, again, like, like a military personnel, you wake up in the morning, your day is built. So exactly. for 20 minutes, I just want you to do something creative, remove yourself from all the stress and blah, blah, blah. And I think every university would benefit from this. And Absolutely. And I do think, like you said, because the standard college classes sit there absorb the information the art dialogue i guess is it's just very different from i think what most people are used to um engaging in and i think that it is super interesting and super powerful and you know i think it is super beneficial it's hard to argue that it wouldn't be you know <laughs> exactly people will people will try to argue and i swear to god they will that's just the way that it is. So, that's right. So, uh, what did you play sports growing up? By the way, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, football, baseball, lacrosse, a little bit of everything. Nice. Yeah, I was going to so. say a Pennsylvania guy like lacrosse. I was going to say lacrosse or soccer, but East right. Coast. So, <laughs> what's exactly. what? So, are you? Uh, 
so you're in Allentown. Are you more an Eagles guy then? Yeah. So that's, okay. it, it is an interesting thing where, you know, because we have the Steelers and the Eagles, yeah. but yeah, yeah our, our town, you know, we're about an hour, hour ish away from Philly. So yeah, our yeah. South, <laughs> South, Southwest, yeah. right. Is it a little, it's mm-hmm. a little West. So, so, okay. No. So you, I mean, do you still follow sports? Like you were big, you went to Penn state, like as a Buckeye, we, have to beat you every year. I'm sorry, but I, you know, but I mean, did you get into going to the games? Um, you know what? I wish I as growing up as a kid, like Penn State is this next oh, yeah. thing. Like, that's <laughs> what everyone does on the weekend. That's what you do. Yeah. You know, I would have to say um, I spent 99% of my time in the studio. Yeah. Um, yep. So I, <laughs> but that, I mean, like you know, it's funny. Like I, I think that's a discipline. And I think you got that discipline from being in the military. And now Absolutely. I'm the same, I'm the same way. And I know it's from my, my sporting background, like where I, I have to go in my studio every day, whether it's for 20 minutes or whether it's for two hours, I have to work out every day physically yes. because I just, I have to, like, it's not a need or want necessarily. Like I have to. And that discipline, I think that's what one of the things we're trying to bring to people that are not creative or to even people that are creative to think about this as practice. It is a practice. So why do we not talk about it in, in that discipline esque setting where you have to do this, you know, like when you're playing basketball, if you play basketball every day for two years, you're going to get better. Like that's just natural. It doesn't mean you're going to be Michael Jordan. Well, I'm going to say LeBron James cause I'm an Ohio guy, but, but, but you're going to get better. It's the same thing in art. Like if you do it every day, you're going to get better. And again, it doesn't mean you have to be a professional artist, but that discipline of doing it every day, I think becomes like a really important speaking point to what we're trying to talk about and, and the, the benefits of what we're talking about. Absolutely. And I think there's this interesting conversation much around sports where it's like, Oh, well that person's naturally talented. It's like, Yes, there's all, there is definitely that element, but I think for the majority of folks, like it's just being bad at it for a really long time until yep. all of a sudden something clicks. And I think that they're spending that daily time ignoring how beneficial it is for your mental health, your physical health, just getting in the studio and being creative. But it also obviously it got better. Yep. Like, it's, you're well, going you, to- you said something earlier that. I can't remember how you said it, but that, I mean, there is this element that both of us probably had where we were not in the art world. We kind of came into this space. So it is, it is like an, almost like a catch up experience, but man, like getting in and just the amount of learning and, and the cool things that you start finding out. I actually, in some ways, I appreciate the fact that I did come to it a little bit later and the, the different journey because, because I have a different experience that I bring to people. And that's again, why I think somebody like you being in a, in a university setting is probably like so important for other students because I mean, I'm being serious because so many students, and again, like I, I'm, I'm speaking probably for both of us here. So many students just go from high school to art school to grad school to teacher. 
and they never exist in the outside world. And, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I do think like this, I mean, God, man, I used to dig ditches. Like, like I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like to tell us an art student, it's like, uh, consider yourself lucky that you're doing this and take, take advantage of it because you could be doing this other thing. That's, I mean, not that digging a ditch isn't glamorous. Like, I mean, I kind of liked it in some ways, but I mean, I, I like where I'm at. And, but I think that that not doing the kind of typical stair step to where, where we are is I think helpful for other students to like, see that this, being an artist is not like a, a linear path. Absolutely. And I think obviously like we're all bringing different perspectives to the space then. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think right now our country is kind of reckoning with that. And I think it is super valuable. The more diverse perspectives that we have and that, well, in any space, but especially in an academic space is going to bring more value to everyone, the students, the professors. I think this idea that the classroom is, again, some transaction between the professor and the students, like obviously there's a certain degree of that, but I think one of the most amazing things of getting to teach is that you're almost learning as much as the students and it's a really eye-opening thing to then realize that it is a back and forth. Yep. Um, Oh, I, I say that all the time. Like, it, it's funny. I always think that um, that people that are in creative fields look and act younger than everybody else. And it's like what you just said. It's because being an art teacher, it's like, there. it's not like the 1950s where you're sitting in a room and I would be wearing a suit and you'd be painting a still life. It's like, no, man, it is a free for all in the best of ways and the conversations are like all over the place because you have students from different cultures, different backgrounds, different like financial classes, but they're all coming into this space to be vulnerable, talk about work, talk about ideas, get feedback, get, you know, constructive criticism and, and I get to sit there and be a part of it and, and give my experiences, but yet listen to the experiences. And, and that it's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing opportunity. I think like you said, just being able to say like, I'm super privileged to be able to take part in all of this. It's amazing, especially, yeah. you know, after being in some pretty hard situations in the military, like, getting to make art every day yeah. is amazing. And I think one of the very first uh, classes that I was in with Bonnie, she said, don't treat art like it's vegetables when it's dessert. And yeah. I think that yeah. has stuck with me since then because it's very, very accurate. It's like, even on the worst, hardest days where you're feeling defeated, it's still pretty awesome. Yeah, no, but I, that's, it's such a great thing to say it like that. And I say that to my students all the time. It's, it's, you're allowed to have fun doing this because I think we're taught, you know, if you're in college, this is serious. We have, and art is serious. Don't get me wrong. Like it is like, I actually think that this is some of the most important things that we can be doing. I mean, especially in the world today, like really, truly, but at the same time, you're allowed to enjoy it. You know, I mean, it, 
as an athlete, you know, you practice, you practice. The games are like the dessert, but you get the dessert. And it's like as an artist, you know, being in the studio it's, is like the practice. But then you like will have an exhibition. You'll, you'll have a critique or whatever. That's the dessert. But like you're right. Like the being an artist is dessert, but it is still serious. Like it's still like it, that's the beauty of it, I think, is like I, like I love every day just like thinking about like the next painting I'm making and where it came from, and, you know, like this, what, what experience out West is going to create this new painting today. And, and, and that, like I, in a million years, you know, if you would have told me 30 years ago that I'd be doing this, I'd be, okay, I'll, I'll sign up for that every day. And, but I just never, you know, never knew. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, especially because I think things are getting more dynamic in the art space. Like I just had a conversation with a couple of other grad students the other day about how I think more folks are getting interdisciplinary. And I'm wondering if that's going to become more of a thing, especially as we have conversations like, you know, how, how are you going to, um, be successful as an artist? What does that definition look like to you? You know, I think a lot of people, especially since COVID happened, you know, obviously the gallery system has been affected drastically. Yep. And I think a lot of folks are asking, what is this all going to pan out and look like? And I think, um, I, you know, I don't think everybody's going to want to move to New York again. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, truly, I mean, Absolutely. you know, when, when I was going through school, like that was the thing is like, once you graduated, you moved to New York and it's like, I don't really like new york i mean i'm a met fan and everything but <laughs> i mean yeah exactly well and i think even now like there were similar conversations where like if you wanted to feel like like you said before if you want to feel like a professional artist there is this desire to be in these cultural hubs you know la new york city and like that's kind of where this perception of like you have to be there to be successful and i think that especially now with how digitally we are like if that's not what you're wanting to do you can still definitely make things work which is exciting it's yep. really i think we're at such an amazing place now uh, to be able to create our own reality and whatever it is we're wanting to be successful whatever that looks like you can almost make that happen for what, yourself in a meaningful what, way what, like that that's an interesting uh, and maybe you don't know yet, um, but what is, what is your definition of success? Yeah, again, like, I think the more I've looked at, like, why I've gotten into art, what I miss from being in the military is, again, this, like, service and community. So um, I have a, a house in Allentown um, that I've got about a thousand square foot studio space, um, which is, yeah, amazing. Wow. Again, super fortunate. Um, and what I'm looking at doing is setting up some sort of residency. I'm not 100% what it's going to totally look like, but I really like the idea um, of having more community engagement and especially being able to provide transitioning veterans an opportunity, whether they're going to be in the arts professionally or if they're just taking time between right when they get out to figuring out what the next step is. I think especially for me, like that art time was so pivotal in getting to process a lot of the experiences from the military and just kind of figure out what's next. I think a lot of folks, because we're older adults and we've gone from now having a salary to then a lot of like 
what's next and there's this innate pressure to get to the next thing in a hurry that folks are just kind of rushing and getting into something that's going to provide instead of doing what really they're passionate about. Right. And I think having time to then pause and really figure out what's going to make you happy for the rest of your life is so crucial. Um, and I think there is a, a dialogue starting amongst veterans about how important that is. Um, so yeah, I think being able to provide an opportunity for folks to do that is really something that I'm, I'm hoping. Um, obviously I want to stay in the classroom and I think that is part of being able to do that in a meaningful way. So yeah, I don't really hundred percent have it all figured out, obviously. No, 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 neither do I. Yeah. So I, I'm I don't know that anybody ever does. Do you, do you think there's ever, do you think there's ever going to be a time when the military kind of has some sort of creative aspect to a, to their daily? Yeah. So interestingly enough, like, during the first onset of the GI Bill um, and the arts and crafts movement in America, um, there is this really strong connection to these arts and craft centers. Most military bases actually have an arts and craft center That's where awesome. folks yeah, can go in and engage in some creative uh, practices, which is, again, it's amazing. Um, and I, I feel bad for not remembering, but there was a general at that time whose sister was very much involved in arts and crafts. And she was the one who pushed him of like, this is super beneficial. You need to be doing this for your troops. And um, so Craft in America did uh, a whole series on veterans and they discussed the whole history of it. It's so amazing um, to kind of get a breakdown of how a lot of this started. And then is it called Creative Forces? Did you say that? Uh, so it was craft in America okay. and they did the, it's just like a whole series of different veterans who are working in arts and crafts across America. Um, and they were talking just about like the history of the arts and craft centers on military posts. And then the, again, the first really like wave of, uh, GI bill, uh, recipients, really sparked the arts and crafts movement um, post-World War II. Folks were going back and that's, I guess, is credited to, to really engaging in that space. So it's really exciting to almost feel like there's a second wave of that happening now with folks getting this opportunity to re-engage. And there's a very robust veteran community across the U.S. of, of folks who are now finding, obviously, the, the massive benefits uh, that engaging in creative, creative activities uh, offers. So yeah. it's now, I, have a, I have a friend that's, I think it's his uncle. I'm looking at it. Right, I'm trying to find it. And he's a, like a lieutenant general in the Army. And he has a lot to do with, with creativity within the military. And we're trying to, like, get together with him and, and have a little dialogue because, but it, I think it is like, again, like I think, you know, what we're doing, what you're doing, what we're doing together, like knocking down those walls and, and really showing again, like the benefit of this in the, in the prehab sense, like again, not, not in the therapeutic sense in the back end, but if you have this built in to what you're doing every day, it's like, this is, we, we live better lives. <laughs> 
you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, again, it would take a whole lot of effort. And I don't even know at that point if you would be successful because it is so beneficial. I think that this just being able to then go through this meditative process. And I think there is something magical about when you've struggled and then you've made something that you're happy with, even if everybody else hates it, if you love it, it like, there is the magic in that. Yeah. It's amazing. Other people's opinions suck. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um, well, dude, I, you know, I, I really, really appreciate you doing this. Cause we've, you know, again, we've, we've been talking for a couple years now and, and like could not be happier to be working with you and, and all that stuff. And, um, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm excited about what we're all going to be doing here in the future. Um, obviously we're all ready to be done with the COVID stuff. And, um, I mean, I'm assuming you've been, virtual this whole semester is that no so first off thank you so much for inviting oh, me dude. Again, like the whole opportunity with working with the abstract athlete has been amazing it's what you guys are doing is so important and i think it's really fantastic to be involved in a small part of that and getting to push the you're the, the big part we just we just set the platform we need the people that you know it's like you can't talk about art unless people make it right <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah and you know i would have to say the school has done a fantastic job like obviously safety is the number one concern um but we have done a good job of balancing getting into the studio and keeping people safe um which is it, it's been fantastic so yeah, I, I've actually been able to spend a good portion of my time in the studio this semester and it's been so great to be back um, having these conversations uh, among people who are, you know, seriously pursuing this as uh, something they want to do for their life. Yep. So, yeah. Well, we'll uh, obviously we'll catch up more and stuff and, um, but again, like dude, this, it's just been, it's just fun and it's exciting to see um, like what, you know, how your work expands and stuff. Cause RISD is two year, right? Is it two year or is it three? Okay. So you got another year and a half left, right? So, but I mean, you know, again, I, I'm, we're just excited and we just can't say thank you enough um, for, you know, being, being a part of this. And we have some um, stuff that when we're done here, I'll tell you some more um, about, but um Go, uh, I, who's a uh, Penn State's playing in Michigan today, I think. So, anyways, um, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up soon. And thank you, thank you, and done. So, I want to tell you this is off record stuff, even though we're still recording. But <clears throat> so, Chris and I, and Mike and Daryl, the kind of core of the business, we just bought 20 acres of property. You probably, you might've seen that. I saw that. That's so exciting. So, you're, you're obviously, you know, a part of this. Um, so there's no structures on there, but the idea and is to, you know, make a residency. So when you were talking about the residency, um, you know, we've already got that thing brewing and, you know, like a big aspect is going to be like the military component to it and stuff. But the other thing, first of all, this guy's name is Walter, Lieutenant General Walter Pyatt is my friend's okay. uncle. He's an wow. army guy. <clears throat> um, but the other thing I wanted to ask you is if you would be interested and 
would be a way to make a little extra cash is like, so we're, you know, we have this platform and one of the things we're, we're putting together um, subscription boxes, which are going to come out soon. But in conjunction with that, we want to start doing modules. And like, I think it would be cool for you to like, to do some modules if you're interested in. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, it, you, you work with your hands. It can be anything. It can just be like, putting you know whatever like and so like would be totally 100% interested to see if you want to do that in conjunction with everything else and again things are really starting to move um it's it's crazy like this our real estate agent out in Montana who's awesome she calls me the other day and says I have somebody out here that's um has a lot of money does some I, I can't remember how she said it whether she's where this person is connected to wounded warriors or has uh, um, loves wounded warriors something but they might be somebody that could really financially help you guys that this guy that we're also working with that's now you know a, basically a founder um is a um a marketing guy that used to work with coca-cola like talking about like getting coca-cola involved in different you know so things are like starting to like really take off um that's awesome. so um but definitely would love, like, if you're interested in, in module, like, maybe me, you, Chris, and Mike, who's another business partner, can get on a phone call and just go, okay, like, what would you want to do? Or, you know, or I can send you, a, uh, like, this is kind of what we're looking for. Like, maybe you can come up with 10, 30-minute episode, whatever that means, you know, and, and do that. Sounds so, good to me. Yeah, sure. 100% I'm on board. Whatever yeah. you guys want, whatever you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely on board. So cool. now it's just, it's it like the me like and again just like doing this. It's so fun for me because like I, I I'm the host, so it's like I, Chris misses out on all this. But it's just it's just fun to like talk to people and like learn backstories and um, you know like I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future and like and it might be fun to have you and Joe on at the same time. Like yes. I've been I've been thinking about the idea of like having like different, different people that have like similar relationships and stuff. Um, but the other thing I was going to say to you, like you mentioned speaking with Aaron tools at T E W E L L. Do you know? It's, it's T O O L and it's E H R E N E H R E N E H T O O L the band. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. I'm a big tool fan. I was just listening. Yeah. To, I was just listening to him when I worked out this morning. So, yeah. um, but no, if you have if you have other military artists, connect us. It'd be great because yes. we are like we're still adding people. Um, I would love to get other people on the podcast. I, you know, again, like we're trying. This is just a platform, and we're just we're just interested in content, and like you know, like you're. I think you're either going to be the last episode of season three or the second to last. Um, but the, the, the last person that I'm recording next week, uh, she was like a diver for USC and she's now a sportscaster. And so it's like, you know, again, like it's like the people we're getting on here are just, it's, it's so crazy and wild. And we, I don't know if you've noticed we, or you probably, since you listen, which is cool. We have two other podcasts and, and you should listen to those because, yes. um, it's, it's just like the content is just wild, man. It's so fun. 
So it's been really cool to see how the message is spreading. And obviously you guys have done a fantastic job of just encapsulating this. For doing it all, for doing it all grassroots, we've done pretty well. Now we're, we're at that point that we, we're like, okay, we need to take money now. And we feel like we're in a, I mean, it's interesting timing wise. Cause obviously all like we never stopped, but it just shifted. But like, we're looking the next fall, like when everything's, you know, hopefully going to be back to normal that yeah. content of what we do, like bringing these exhibitions to stadiums, like every stadium and every professional team should want us to come and yeah. just like good, good spirits and good, you know, so. Um, well, I love the idea that, part of what I'm really interested in in grad school is like democratizing this system more, right? Yep. Like getting people that wouldn't typically engage with fine arts yep. into a space where that's, they're not feeling like it's a gallery, right? Yep. Like in getting them to engage in artwork. That's that's what doing these pop-up exhibits at the at the arenas is. It's it, it's pretty cool. Like the, the people's so, reactions. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Cause I feel like, again, like you don't want to stereotype, but like, obviously there is a select exclusive group of people who are interested in going to gallery shows. And I think it does automatically limit our exposure oh, to folks. And I think that's so powerful that you guys are getting to these stadiums. I was going to say, and by the way, that, that person that said that about it not being real, that was my, that was my former, the former, well, he's still the chair of the painting department, which I'm not there anymore. I moved, I started my own thing. And I just like, I couldn't say anything because I'm not a tenure, tenure track person. But I just wanted to look at him and go, he's he's one of those elitist people that he thinks he's like worldly viewed, but he's, it's so narrow. It's like, dude, this, and he tried to call it art therapy. It's like, this is not art therapy, dude. Like we're talking about this in a proactive manner. Like you're trying to keep people out. Like you sit here and preach like, um, like, you know, being like, it's just crazy. Like, yeah. Yes. And it's so wild to me how like, and I have found, like you said during the podcast, like people want to put you in a box. Yep. There's no question about that. So when you do come into this space, it's just like, oh, you're just a veteran and this is just your perspective. Yep. And it's like, oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how long I'm supposed to and take again, that. Again, that's why I think have, like you being in that space is so fucking important because you do, no pun intended, you bring that wrench to that that thing, which is important. And that's what, I, like, that's the way I always felt is like, I come at this from this totally different space. You need me. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but you need my oh. perspective. Like you need a real fucking world person sitting here telling you like, this is bullshit. Like, yes, it's definitely, I feel like I have at first I was super frustrated. And now yep. again, like I've, I've tried to stay positive about it. Cause it's just like, you know how much impact we can have. Yep. And it's like, okay, I just got to, by, by the time, the best way to have change is from the inside of the system. Yep. So, like, I just got to suck it up and deal yep. with it. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's again, like, what I think is so important about what we're, you know, again, I'm, I'm biased in this, but, but what we're doing, because it's like, you know, we walk into a room with you, with Tony Mandrich, who, like, the other guy podcast, or, or Vernon Davis. You know, these guys are former professional football players that – and, and again, I always say this is not just for inspiration for a kid. This is for an adult because it's like they look at 
a Tony Mandrich who's like six foot six, like he's a big dude. And he makes these beautiful photographs and it's like, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And that, the wall's gone then. Exactly. And and like you said, I know it's awfully idealistic, I guess, but like this idea that we all can't benefit from this is bananas. Everyone would benefit from some sort of creative practice every day. There's no doubt about it. Like that's instantly why I was drawn to it after I started taking classes in college. I'm like, I need to do this full time. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's amazing. It is. Yeah. Well, dude, um, get back to the studio. Get your shit done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And like, I, I will be in contact um, soon because, again, we are, Chris and Daryl um, are like finishing up putting this business plan together. So we are like to this point where like we need module stuff, like starting to like really think in the, 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 um, but there's just like so much exciting stuff. And like, again, this Montana thing, um, it's land's already purchased. It's just starting to get stuff built and it's, it's, it's freaking amazing. It's funny too, because literally I started driving out West almost 20 years ago at this point. Well, like 18 years ago. And the first time I went out there was, I went to a residency, um, U cross in Wyoming. And I literally, from that moment on, it's like, I got to buy property out here. So the last two and a half, three years, Chris and I have been talking about this and we actually scouted this area like a year and a half ago, I guess. And so I, I've driven out West. I drove out West like three times from July to uh, September. And we finally found something and, and it was just like, let's fucking do it, man. Let's like, what are we waiting for? And so, so it's yeah, exciting. It's, it's so exciting. And so especially because I am TAing and teaching in some capacity now, like super on board. Um, I think that I can do something hopefully that like if people don't have access to tools, we yep. can still make it meaningful oh, yeah. to them. Yep. So yep. like yeah. Yeah. There's I think that there's like there's a whole there's a whole series like for you. Like, you know, and that's the thing, like Mike, our other business partner, one one other ones. He's actually a fine or a, a marketing guy as well. And he's actually working for a company right now that does modules. So he's actually learning some stuff about, but it's just like, my thing would be like, who wouldn't want to take a class with you? Like a virtual mod? No, I'm being serious. And like, who wouldn't want to take a photography class from a former pro football player? Like yeah. those things are right. Like, instead of like some rant, like nobody wants to take a class with me. Like who the fuck cares? <laughs> I mean, you know. But you know, I mean, it, it's, I, I think we have like a really strong foundation in terms of who is going to teach the modules and the diversity of it. Like we're going to have people doing cooking demos. Like it's just That's like, so, awesome. so it's, it's going to be a nice platform and, and uh, just super excited. But again, like having people like you, I think is what, what makes it great. So well, thank you. And yeah, cool. I'm on board 100%. Cool. So awesome. just let me know. Cool. All right, brother. Well, we'll catch up soon. Um, and, um, yeah, work away. Awesome. Exactly. Take care. Right, yeah. Thank you again yeah, yeah. so much. Back at you. All right. Later. <laughs> See ya. Really such a great time talking with Andrew today. And again, really want to say thank you to him for coming on the podcast. Really interesting to hear his stories about his military career and how he got into creativity 
make sure to keep an eye out for his work. And again, you can follow him on Instagram at Andrew underscore Sculpts. That's Andrew underscore S-C-U-L-P-T-S. Do not forget to listen to our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us at theabstractdoctors.com or on social media under The Abstract Doctors. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast, which you can follow on social media at One Man's Ethos, or you can check us out at onemansethos.com. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandrich or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandrich. And you can also check out his amazing photographs at TonyMandrich.com. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time on our final episode of Season 3 when we welcome former University of Southern Cal diver and current award-winning sports anchor Natalie Calabat. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.